0: Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media, to make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In a recent survey, they found that the number one determining factor in any decision most people but mostly teens uh think about today is whether or not that decision is going to lead to them being canceled so that's the number one factor not whether it's going to be right or if it's going to be wrong whether it's uh going to be beneficial or whether it's going to be harmful none of that matters in comparison with the fear of being cancelled, the fear of being called out and being ostracized and being shamed publicly. That's the number one concern over anything else, over what their parents think, what uh um what their faith dictates, none of that all that matters in comparison to that one factor, everything pales in comparison. So there's tremendous pressure to fit in. There's so much pressure to try to fit in. And in the wild we see animals also using this fitting in or their ability to fit in, not only to hide from predators, but also to hunt. So it's it has some benefits. And this is where our predicament lies: to fit in or to stand out. Because to fit in means that we have to go along with things we don't agree with but to stand out means that we will be called to sacrifice things important things needful things so it seems like the smart choice and the choice that most teens make today is the choice to fit in that's the choice that most uh, kids do today and when we read the gospel of this morning, we read about someone who we might think chose to fit in initially and then changed his mind but this isn 't a story about someone else; this is a story about us we are a chaos. Let me give you a little bit of background so that we get more comfortable in our place in the story as the chaos. We tend to think that these uh tax collectors they betray their countrymen they betray other israelites and they tax them excessively and they sell out to the romans and all that stuff but it's a little bit more complicated than that the system that the romans implemented was that they went and conquered uh regions areas and they called all of these areas provinces and the management of these provinces they gave to uh, very trusted people, and how they ran the tax system wasn't just about taxes; it was about funding the empire. So what they did was um, they put out the collection of taxes as public bids. The government puts out a project, saying, "This is a project. We're putting it out. People can come and bid on it. Companies can come and bid. And when they bid on it, the best bid would win." So tax collectors often called publicans because of what they did. It wasn't just collecting taxes, but they were bidding on these projects, building projects. So they would collect money, fund projects that the empire wants to build, wants to expand and also fund expenses for the pro- for the empire. So the Roman empire their largest expense was their army. They had a, the largest standing army uh anywhere in the old world. And it cost them so much just to maintain that army in terms of supplies, in terms of paying the soldiers, feeding the soldiers, in terms of mobility and training and all that stuff. So it cost them so much money. So it was the these public bids that they offered to to pretty much anyone that you can go out and collect taxes. And it was only very, very influential and very powerful tax collectors. That got together and formed these private companies, and these private companies would approach the empire and would bid on these offers. And in order for them to win, they have to bribe a lot of officials. So it costs a lot of money to win these bids. And when they win the bid, they would do everything in their power, everything in their power, to make as much money as possible, because the bid only lasts a few years. They're only allowed to collect taxes. Three years, five years, there's a term for the bid, for the contract. So it would they would do this and collect as much money as possible because after all this that cost them certain amount of time. Someone else will after that someone else is gonna come and collect the taxes and build the public projects, public infrastructure, all that stuff. So because of how the system was set up, it was basically set up rigged for corruption. And it was so bad that there's a Roman historian called Tacitus. He says there was so much excessive greed that Emperor Nero, in the first century, instituted a law to make sure that all taxation is transparent. You're not just going to come in and walk into the tax collector's office and they tell you, this year you owe this many denaries, that much money. You got to pay it. From that point forward, it had to be transparent. This is how we tax people. This is how much people would owe. They can even collect, uh, calculate rather, their taxes before they come in. Kind of like what we have today. We can kind of figure out what the taxes are before you know uh, CRA comes knocking. So all of this, was just, you know, doing business. No one really looked at it in terms of betrayal. Like the tax collectors weren't on, on the uh, outside of society and they weren't hated because, you know, they're working for those Romans. In fact, it was the opposite. A lot of people envied them. It's like, oh, I wish if only I had the chance to work with these tax collectors, if only I had the chance... To win a bid like this do you know how much money this would make me so they, they 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 weren't they didn't hate them as much as they envied them because they couldn't do what they did and they couldn't win these bids and they couldn't have these lucrative opportunities to make all of this money <clears throat> and they made so much money from the taxes that rome made the citizens of rome citizens not people who lived in the provinces people who lived in rome citizens not paying tax and after a while from how much money they made they made the citizens eat grain for free they wouldn't pay for grain for food essentially they wouldn't pay from how much money they were making and that's how the system worked so when we see someone in a story like Zacchaeus and we look at him and say like this is someone else this is the other I would never do that instead we should stop take a deep breath look in the mirror and say perhaps I would do exactly that perhaps that's exactly what I would do perhaps if I was in that situation that's exactly how I would proceed. That's how I would build my business. That's how I would focus and structure my life, just so that, uh, you know, I, I can have a good living. Just so that I can have nice things. Uh, I can have power, authority, prestige, just so that people can look at me and say, "Wow, like this person has is a successful person. This is a, success, uh, a story of success." But that's not how Zacchaeus looked at himself. Zacchaeus looked at himself in a different light. But he can only look at himself in a different light by being something different than what he is. Or in fact, being what he was always called to be, a foolish man. The wisdom of the world was that you have an opportunity to make tons of money, you take it. Because you're not gonna get these opportunities every day. You have an opportunity to enter into this partnership, into this company, get this job, get this career, you know, do whatever you can. Get in there, do it, take that chance, take that opportunity, because these chances don't come every day. But for him, he looked at it differently. He looked at it in terms of this is all foolishness. What was it so important to see Jesus that he would climb the sycamore tree. And why was there a sycamore tree there to begin with? You know, St. Cyril tells us about this tree. He said this tree has been there since the foundation of the world. That tree is the cross. He said that tree is always, it was there waiting for Zacchaeus to climb it because only by climbing it, can he see Jesus? Can he see things as they truly are? Only by climbing that tree, can he see the foolishness Of his way of living, the foolishness of his pursuits and his decisions. There's a story about Sam Moses that a local magistrate came to to see him, Sam Moses the Black. And when he came to see him, because he'd heard so much of his reputation, renown, his wisdom, on the way to the monastery, he saw an old man wearing uh, the garb of monks something uh, a cassock that's dirty that's you know faded from the sun that's worn out and he saw him working on the road with his hands so he asked him i'm here to meet moses where can i find him he's like why do you want to meet this foolish man this man doesn't know anything go find someone else to meet and when he got to the monastery he was so upset and he told the monks and the monks were so upset they're like who dares insult our Master, who dares insult Saint Moses? So he told them, he described that man to them, so they laughed and they told him that it was Saint Moses. And he left, edified. See, there's a tradition in the monastic community of acting as a fool, because they understood something that the wisdom of this world, as St. Paul says, the wisdom of this world is the foolishness of God, and the foolishness of God is the wisdom of this world. The Greeks saw the cross as foolishness the entire crowd that came to see jesus saw the act of zacchaeus climbing the sycamore tree as foolishness and what did they all do not only did they speak badly of him they even spoke badly of jesus the one whom they came out to see simply because he went into the house of zacchaeus said what a foolish man why would he associate with someone so foolish You know the, the problem with trying to fit in is that after a while you're unable to recognize yourself you're unable to recognize who you've become and you look one day in the mirror and you realize what's all this foolishness for? Why am I doing all the stuff that I'm doing? Am I, is this any of this making me happy? Is it making me healthy? Is it making me a better person? There's one disciple that Saint Anthony had His name is Ava Amunes, and he used to also play a fool. So when people come visit the monastery, uh, they would see him and say like, this is a madman, this is a foolish man. And then one woman actually came up to him and says, you're a foolish man, you're a madman. And he said that I've been trying to work on this for 27 years. for many years for many years and trying to achieve this foolishness not to attract attention but to get away from it and then you came and you destroyed all the work that I've done over the years all this work over the years I wasn't trying to, to, to somehow gain attention garner you know, fame and say all these people who are going to come in and say how much of a holy man this man is he was trying to avoid exactly that this idea spread throughout the early monastic community because it was the idea about not fitting in it was the idea about when someone sees this person acting this way they would cast and they say like this person this person doesn't fit in here so much so that even other monks when they see a person like that they would say you know this is this is not a person we want to have around this is not a person that fits in this is a person that we want to cast out of our community but with Zacchaeus he was only able to see all of this once he climbed the tree he was able to see foolishness the foolishness of the pursuits of this world there's an old saying about power they say that power is dangerous it attracts the worst and corrupts the best and is only given to those willing to lower themselves to pick it up it's foolishness. It's utter foolishness to go after, to lust after power. It's f- utter foolishness to lust after authority. And the pleasures of life, it's foolishness to lust after these things. It's like seawater. If you're ever stranded in the ocean, in the middle of the sea, and you're thirsty, the last thing you should do, and if you're ever in that situation, remember don't drink the seawater. If you drink the seawater, you will surely die. Because the more you the water has salt and the more you drink the thirstier you become so you're going to draw and drink more and the thirst is going to become so intensive that you're going to make you drink more and then you drink more and you get thirstier and then you want to drink more so you drink more but it only serves to make you thirstier that is what it's like to lust after the pleasures of this world utter foolishness and that's why Zacchaeus went up that sycamore tree not because he realized But to realize, there's a story, I'm going to end with this story, and it happened recently, I went to get a haircut, and yes, even bald people get haircuts, so I went to get a haircut, and um, a lot of barbershops these days, they play music very loud, and sometimes the music is very inappropriate, there's a lot of swearing, a lot of cursing, and... um, in that store everything was okay when I walked in and walk in and, and sit down and this lady starts cutting my hair not with scissors but like the clipper and she started you know making me more bald than I already am and, and then all of a sudden a song came on uh, on the speaker that was very loud and tons of cursing like not every other word like basically every word was a, was a swear word was a curse word so she puts the clipper down and she walks to the front very strong very assertive voice she said I told you I don't like this kind of music you can play loud music I'm fine with that but as soon as there is music with swear words and this was in front of a, a store packed with people people who would expect that this is this kind of music is normal for this kind of place and you know they they wouldn't bat an eye or anything so she went and told them this is not appropriate i told you and as soon as they saw her coming they immediately they stopped and then this is how you know the entire barber shop heard this whole conversation because he said this is foolishness you're gonna fire me fire me this is foolishness because if i stay here guess what i've already lost and so much that we sacrifice is you know, so, much, so valuable for things that are so invaluable wouldn't you call that foolishness and that's what Zacchaeus realized Zacchaeus realized that by climbing the tree I'm going to have a better view climb that tree don't be afraid to climb that tree and don't be afraid of what you will see and discover and realize once you climb that tree because as long as we're in the crowd we can't see As long as we're in the ground, we're blinded by the crowd. Climbing that tree is the only way to see clearly. And like St. Cyril says, that tree has been there since the foundation of the world. That sycamore tree has been there waiting for that day, waiting for that encounter so that Zacchaeus would climb that tree. Now if if we look at our lives, your life, my life, how many trees do we encounter every day that have been there? Maybe we pass by, we ignore But once we realize that tree is there, climb it and see what you're going to see. See what you're going to discover. Don't be afraid to see. Don't be afraid, of course, to climb and to see. And once you see, do not be afraid of foolishness. The foolishness for this world is the wisdom of God. The cross, as St. Paul says, the cross of Christ, for the Greeks, utter foolishness. But for us, it is the very power of God.